Good morning, everybody. Hope you guys are having a great day so far. Uh, if you guys have your Bibles, if you go ahead and get them out, we're going to open it up to James chapter 1. That's where we're going to be our main passage for today. Uh, you can use your cell phones with the Bible on it. I also encourage you to take notes, uh, whether that's in your notes app or on a notebook. Uh, highlight, make marks in your Bible. It's okay to do that. Starting James chapter 1, verse 1. It says this, James, a servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position. But the rich should take pride in their humiliation, since they will pass away like a wildflower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant. It blossoms fall and the beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich will fade away even while they go about their business. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed. Then, after the desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chooses to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind and fruits first of all he created. Let's pray this morning. Dear God, thank you so much for this day that we're able to come together as a church family and as believers and uh, open up your word together, God, and uh, and read it and hear it. And uh, God, as, as we get ready to kind of take apart uh, what we read in here this morning, I, I pray that you will silence our minds. I pray that you will calm our hearts and give us peace uh, so that we're able to give you the full attention, God, that you deserve. You're the God of all creation. Everything that we see is made by you. As we come and sit here today, I pray that we give you the respect you deserve, God. Let us listen to your word. And God, I pray this morning that you will speak through this message. And so I pray you speak to us. It's in Jesus Christ's name I pray. Amen. All right, so as we read James chapter 1, uh, I don't know if you noticed, uh, like I did, but uh, James seems to go through a lot of topics in a really short amount of time. Um, I was reading uh, this passage a few times this week, and uh, that's what I usually do. I read it a few times, just like literally read it, and then I'll go and listen to it a few times, and I'll listen to it while I'm driving or I'm just sitting down, relaxing, or just find some blank time where nothing's going on, and I can just listen to it. And as I hit play, if you've ever noticed, when you read things and you listen to something, it might sound <laughs> different. 
And as I was reading, like listening to it, I was like, whoa, he is talking about a lot. And it was kind of intimidating because I was like, man, I got to write a message on all this stuff that James talks about in here. So uh, it was kind of intimidating to hear all the stuff that he talks about. But when I was reading it and I was listening to it, I was noticing it kind of reads like another book of the Bible. And the book that I'm thinking it sounds a lot like is like Psalms. If you notice when you read Psalms, it's like verse by verse by verse. It changed topics almost each verse. And, uh, Psalms is uh, a wisdom literature. It's got a lot of wisdom in it. And in fact, this is why the New Testament book of James that we're studying is sometimes referred to as the New Testament book of wisdom. Because it just has so much wisdom in James. Um, and like Proverbs, like I said, it goes through so many topics in such a short amount of time. And today we're going to only be looking at verses 5 through uh, 15. And, and here's a list of like some of the topics that James talks about in here. The first one is asking for wisdom. Next one is faith versus unbelief. Mankind's attitude, whether in poverty or wealthy. Enduring under trials. And the na- nature of temptations. And so just in 10 verses... All of these are, are, are little topics that he goes through. It's almost like we're going to have, you, you might, this might be a little confusing message today because it's going to sound like we talk about five different topics this morning, like five different mini sermons. So I'm going to ask you to kind of stick with me this morning because uh, we're going to talk about a lot. But anyway, the first subject that James hits on is our need for wisdom. If you look with me in verse five, it says this. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Now, I want to encourage you, if you're taking notes this morning, or if you're underlining, or highlighting, or circling, or or whatever you're doing this morning, even if you're just listening, you've got to do something to get this down this morning. I want you to take note of the phrase, you should ask God. You should ask God. In any situation that we're in, good or bad or whatever it is, we should always bring it to God and get God involved in our situation. Now this is obvious to most of us that we need to ask God, but many times we kind of put God in the back seat of our life and we we leave Him out of a lot of situations. Like how many times do we face a situation in life where we really don't know the direction that is the wisest in that moment, or the choice that's the wisest in that moment. And instead of asking God, we go off and we follow and listen to the wisdom of the world. Or we follow the wisdom of our friends that sometimes may not be so good. Or even our family members, when we talk about situations with our families and our families give advice, and it's like, oh man, I should not listen to you. That's terrible advice. Um, Or we just go out and we make a quick decision on our own. Now, there are a lot of reasons why I think we do that. One of the reasons why I think we we leave God out a lot of times, and it can be challenging for us, is because of the current culture that we're in. We have become accustomed to everything happening when we want it to happen, exactly when we want it to happen. We got these things in our pocket They are so powerful. We can know everything in the world with these things. Our cell phones, we have access to the internet. You don't have to go to your local library anymore to get on the computer and look up something. 
You don't even have to wait till you get home anymore to open up your laptop or your PC to, to, to figure out some sort of topic that you're trying to find out about. You have your phone and your topic, and you can just type something in on Google, and it will tell you what it is. Now, I know sometimes when we talk about things like this, it can sound like we're bashing it. I'm not bashing technology. I think technology is really helpful. It can be really helpful for us in our lives in a lot of ways, but I think we rely on it too much. Like, here's an example of this is that uh, Haven got this shell this week, and it had these, like, really cool designs on it. So I just took a picture of it, and I posted it on Facebook, and I was like, hey, look how cool our creator is to create something like this. Well, somebody commented on it, and they're like, well, I think it's burned in there. I think someone drew that design on there. Well, I knew that it wasn't, and I didn't know how to let this person know without sounding like a jerk that <laughs> this is not burned on there. So I pulled out my phone, went on the Google app, and uh, I, don't, I don't know if you know this, but with the Google app, you can take a picture of something, and then it will tell you what it is. And so I took a picture of it, found out it's called like a zigzag, some sort of clam. Uh, I, don't, I forgot the name of it, but I, I told him, I was like, hey, this is what it is, and you can look it up and find out what it is. So we have the internet right there, and we can find out anything whenever we want. Um, there's also these other apps. If you want to know where your friends or family members are at any moment, get Life360, and you don't even have to ask them anymore. You can just look on your phone and be like, oh, I know exactly where you are. Or if they're going to you or going somewhere else, you can know exactly when they're going to be home or exactly when they're going to get to the place that they're going. So you don't even have to ask people anymore. We, we want it right then and right now. Fast food wasn't fast enough. It's not convenient enough. So we come up with DoorDash. So we don't even have to leave our homes to get fast food because we want it right now. We don't want to get in the car and go get food. And all this convenience causes us to be really comfortable in life. And all this being comfortable causes us to lose a little bit of the art of patience. So because we lost being patient, it's, it's hard for us to slow down in our fast-paced life sometimes, to stop long enough to say, God, what do you want me to do? And then wait. It can be hard for us. Another reason uh, why going to God for wisdom can be a challenge for us is because for us to do that, we have to confess that we need help. So to say that, you have to have humility. We have to get to the place of saying, you know what, I don't know in this situation. I don't get what's going on. I don't know what to do. And I need God's wisdom to guide me through it and to show me what direction I need to take. To be able to say that you have to practice humility, to humble yourself. Proverbs chapter 2, verse 6 says this, For the Lord gives wisdom. And from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. Now we read these verses, and I have no doubt that most of us believe this verse right here. Some of us can even quote these verses. We have the head knowledge, but sometimes we lack the humility at times to come to him and say, Lord, I don't know what to do. I need knowledge that only you can give me. I need your help. So we have to practice patience <clears throat> we have to practice humility and another reason uh, why many of us don't do this or don't receive what we're asking for James tells us in verse 6 it says but when you ask you must believe and not doubt 
Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. Now when you ask, here's what you need to do. You need to have faith. You need to have faith and expect that God is going to do something. A beautiful example of this is given to us by Psalms uh, chapter 5, verse 3, where he says, this is, uh, this is David. David says, In the morning, Lord, <clears throat> you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you. And here's the cool part. I wait expectantly. It says he lays his request before God, and then he sits there and he waits, expecting that God is going to do something. Showing that he has faith and trust that God is going to to answer him. Now that's why James warns us not to doubt. Don't just go through the motions of prayer like sometimes I know even I do. Like when we pray in our head sometime, we sometimes confuse ourselves because we repeat things over and over. I don't know if that's just me. Uh, but I know also sometimes as I'm praying, as the words are coming out of my mouth or as I'm praying these words, also at the same time, I'm having the thought of, you know, God's probably not going to answer this prayer. I'm going to pray it because I should. But maybe he's not going to answer it. Or maybe this prayer is too big or too much of an ask for God. I'm still going to ask it because I want to be a good Christian. But then within that is a little bit of doubt and a lack of faith. And what's so scary is that James goes on to tell us that if you have that kind of thought, that thought process uh, of doubt, while you're asking God something, you should not expect to receive whatever you're looking for because you didn't have the faith in the first place. So if you pray with doubt, don't expect for God to do it. God's up there, He's like, I can do it, but you don't actually believe I can. So don't expect it. And see how He uses the word wind to, de- to describe something that could potentially take us off course. Consider all the opinions that are out there today about Jesus in the church. All the things that social media says, or your friends say, or your co-workers, or your neighbor down the street. That everybody has an opinion about Jesus. Everybody, so many people tell me so many things about Jesus. Their opinions and what they think and what they think about the church. And it's, he says, these are like swirling winds that blow around you. And if you listen to these things, and you take them to heart, then you are going to be so confused about your own faith. And that confusion is going to cause doubt to grow in your heart. And if that doubt grows strong enough, it eventually will lead you to unbelief. And so we have to be watchful of what we are exposing ourselves to. You see, I love YouTube. You can ask Haven. I am addicted to YouTube. I'm always watching something. And some of the stuff I I like to watch is... um, other preachers and other sermons, and uh, obviously that I can't go to physically, so I watch them online. But I will tell you, going to YouTube for theology and doctrine is one of the most dangerous things that you can do for your faith. I can look up one passage on YouTube, and depending on who's preaching it, I can get a bunch of different opinions. Now, it would be good for us to be aware of these winds and these voices that are Uh, because it's going to be something that every believer has to deal with at some point in your life. And we have to decide for ourselves, am I going to listen to these winds, these other voices, 
or am I going to stand firm and grounded on the truth of Jesus Christ that I read in God's Word? In fact, if we become so fascinated with these other teachings or these other wins, as James puts it, he says it will destroy and damage your life. Verse 8 says, such a double-minded uh, such a person is double-minded double and unstable in all that they do. He doesn't just say unstable in their faith. He says in everything that you do, you become unstable. He says this confusion will cause you to be double-minded, and it will, it will infect every part of your life. It will be visible in your marriage. You will be double-minded in your marriage, and the way that you bring up your kids, if you have kids, it will affect them. In, in your everyday decision making, it will also affect that also. So when there are doubts and unbelief in your life, it will infect every single part of your life. And so James is telling us, you need to be careful. And so talking about all these doubts and these unbeliefs, I think the natural question should come up. What do I do if I have a lack of faith? What do I do if I notice a lack of faith or if I notice myself doubting God? First of all, I want to be very clear with this. The majority of believers, Christians, would never admit that they struggle with doubts and unbelief. But the truth is, is that most believers, most Christians have doubts about God and unbeliefs in some areas in their life. Now, having doubts does not make you a bad Christian. I just felt some of you just go, oh, thank gosh. (laughs) Having doubts does not make you a bad Christian. Having doubts can actually cause you to wrestle with your faith in these doubts and actually can cause you to have a stronger, more real faith. But that's what you have to do. You have to wrestle with it. You have to struggle with it. You have to fight with it. Because if you don't, that doubt is like a plant. And it's just going to grow and grow. It's like a a weed. It's going to grow and grow and grow and grow. And to the point, because you just let it grow. You're not wrestling with it. And because you haven't touched it, it has now consumed your faith and killed your faith. So doubts and questions and unbeliefs are normal. But just because they're normal doesn't mean you need to just let it sit there. You have to deal with it. So the question still stands, when I know I'm having doubts, when I know my faith is lacking in God, what do I do? I have three steps for you. I have three little tips for you this morning. First one is this. You need to stop listening to the voices of doubt coming from the world. You need to then dig into God's word and you need to hear truth through God's word, the Bible. And the last thing And the most obvious one we've already talked about today is you need to ask for faith. Ask for help. Now, it's so important that we shut down these voices, these winds that are coming from us from the world. If we do not begin to lessen the amount of noise that's coming into our life, it's going to be so much more difficult to hear God when he actually does speak to us. Like when we read something in God's Word, if we're not paying attention to it because we got all these other things going on, it's going to go right over our heads. 
Or, or if someone comes up to us and speaks life into us about God, and we've got all these other voices going on, again, it's going to go in one ear and right out the other. We're not even going to hear it. Voices that are filled with darkness, distress, and unbelief, and evil, and darkness. We just need to shut it off. Now, at the same time, I am a believer that it is possible to hear these voices while at the same time not listening to them. Here's what I mean by this. I am around people all the time, more often than not, that are speaking the complete opposite of what Christ would say. People who are speaking darkness, people who are speaking evil, just not good things. And I hear these things. I hear them, and it does take a toll on my life. It, it makes me exhausted, makes me tired, makes me lose my patience. But I don't take them to heart. I don't listen to them as advice in my life. There are some people I will hear out, but I will not take your advice that you're giving me because it's worldly advice. But like this, also, certain TV shows, I believe you shouldn't watch. Certain movies, don't watch them. Because it's going into your heart. The things you look at, the things you listen to, all of that stuff is going right into your heart. There are some shows, there are some movies that I just choose not to watch. There are certain types of music that I don't choose to listen to because I know it has nothing that's going to glorify God in those things. And so I don't even want it in my life. So you need to shut the voices down. The next thing you need to do is to get into God's Word and you need to hear truth. Romans chapter 10 verse 17 says, Consequently, faith, this is really cool, faith comes from hearing the message. And the message is heard through the Word about Christ. So how does Romans tell you how you build your faith? You read the Bible. You read the Word of God. You need to be getting God's Word in you somehow every single day. Whether that's doing the reading plan that we're doing as a church, reading the whole New Testament in a year. Whether that's just reading the Bible on your own and whatever reading that you want to do. Even if it's just opening up the Bible app and just seeing the verse of the day, at least you got a crumb of a bread of life. It's better than nothing. I heard a good saying recently, because I struggle with like feeling like I have to read so much of the Bible and then do these super deep studies, and then I end up getting super tired and burned out from doing it. But um, this guy was saying that God's Word is like little raindrops, just one drop of rain. And over time, it builds a river. And so one verse at a time is just one drop of rain, and you keep getting those one verses in your life, one day at a time. Eventually, you will have a flowing, moving, living river. That is God's Word. But you've got to be getting into His Word. And then once you've matured a little bit in your faith, you need to be doing some digging deeper. I know sometimes we just read, and we like to be good enough with that, but you need to be digging in it and understanding, like, why is the writer writing this? When is this happening? When is the writer writing this? You need to be meditating on the Word. You need to be saying, how does this apply to my life? And how do I bring this out into the world to other people? And when you start doing that, it is amazing because you will actually start seeing differences in your life. It's actually incredible how it works. My life is a testimony to this because I went to church every single day of my life. 
I've been in church every single day, probably from the Sunday that I was born, in church. I went to every youth group meeting. I went to every youth conference. I went to every camp for 20 years. And my life never started looking different until I actually opened up God's Word for myself and started reading it for myself when I was 21. When I was 21 and I started actually taking it seriously, my life was black and white difference. And yeah, I had gone to church for 20 years. So you need to be getting into God's Word. If you feel like you're lacking faith, read the Bible. And the next thing that you need to do, it's the most obvious one, you need to ask God to give you faith. Give me faith, God. Tell Him directly that you are struggling with doubt in your life. And what's so good is that we have a good Father. We have a good God. And when you say to Him, hey God, I'm struggling with doubts in an area of my life, He doesn't come up to you and slap you on the wrist and be like, you're such a bad Christian. You should just believe me. What's so cool about God is that he is not going to be disappointed in you because he already knows. (laughs) He already knows. He knows what's going on in your heart. He knows what's going on in your life. So telling him is not going to surprise him. My advice for this would be you need to say it out loud. So many times we want to talk to God in our heads in silence. We whisper like, give me faith. Sometimes we need to scream it out. Give me faith, God. I need your help. Mark chapter 9 tells a story about a man who brought his son to his disciples because he had this um, evil spirit in him. So he brings his son to the disciples to get the spirit taken out of him. The disciples can't do it. And so he brings them to Jesus. And uh, in verse 22, I want you to imagine this. A father whose son is really struggling. And he brings his son, and the father's tired. He's exhausted. He's like, doesn't know how to go anymore with life with this going on. So he brings his son to Jesus, and he says, If you can do anything, take pity and help him. He says this to Jesus. And what's so cool, I love Jesus because he's such a real guy. <laughs> he's such a real God that he comes up, or he goes to the man, and he says, If? <laughs> like, I imagine Jesus just kind of being like, Yes, I can, but you say, if? He says, if you can? He says, everything is possible for the one who believes. There we go, having faith. You need to have no doubt. You need to believe. Everything is possible. And I love the Father's response in verse 24. Again, this is just showing the Bible is not a fairy tale. It's not this thing that just to make us feel good. It is real. And we see the Father's heart right here in this moment because he says to Jesus, I do believe but help me overcome my unbelief. So he's admitting to Jesus, yes, I have faith that you can do it, God, but I am having this struggle and I need you to help my faith overcome this unbelief. That's a very honest cry out to God. The question we need to ask ourselves is this, what are your areas of unbelief? Did you know that you can be a a full-on Christian Like a child of God, you have salvation, and yet you have pockets in your life where you struggle with belief. It's important that we find these little pockets and know what they are. 
And saying to God, this is the areas that I'm struggling. These are the areas that I'm having doubt and believing and trusting you. So I'm asking you, Lord, I'm asking you, please help me. Here we go. Patience, slowing down, asking God, humbling, saying, help my lack of faith. Give me faith to overcome my unbelief so I can trust you without restraints. You know, when we don't trust God, it's like putting the reins on God and pulling them back. But we need to trust Him without restraint in our life. So, now we've gone through this mini-sermon. James is going to have a little ADHD moment and jump topics. Verse 9 says, Believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position, but the rich should take pride in their humiliation, since they will pass away like a wildflower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant. Its blossom falls and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich will fade away even while they go about their business. So James right here starts talking about believers in humble circumstances. Or in other words, believers who are financially poor. And then he compares them along believers that are well off in life financially. And what he says is to let the poor boast in his exaltation, and the rich in their humiliation. Because time is going to have something to say, both for the rich and for the poor. And what James is trying to do through this little bit of poetry right here, he's trying to give you an eternal perspective on life. Not an earthly perspective, but one that goes on forever. And he says to the poor, he says, you need to understand your poverty is only for this earth, for this time right now. If you have Christ... You are actually a very wealthy person. And but for the rich, he says, I want you to understand that your wealth is kind of not real. It's kind of just a little bit of an illusion right now. And it can be taken from you in any instant. It could just be gone. And you need to understand from an eternal perspective where your wealth actually is. Is it in materialistic things or is it in heavenly things? Verse 12 says, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. When tempted, no one should say, God has tempted me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. So James switches topics again. And now he gives some really good thoughts on temptations. And the first things that we need to know about reoccurring temptations to sin is that you and I should never say that God is the one tempting us. Because God does not tempt ever. Now God does test people, but temptation and testing are not the same thing. Psalms 26 verse 2 says, Test me, O Lord, try me, examine my heart and my mind. So we know that God can test us, but He does not tempt us. And so now we look at this statement and we understand that temptation is not coming from God. Now the question arises, where does it come from? Well, it comes from the enemy, of course. The enemy hates us. The enemy wants us to fall and stumble. The enemy is the one who tempts us, but we cannot give all the blame to the enemy and on Satan himself. I think we give way too much credit to to the enemy. Now, do you understand That the only reason that you can be tempted by the enemy is because of the condition of your heart. The only reason the enemy has any kind of foothold on you is because of your heart. 
And what you're, what you're really saying when you're saying, man, I'm being tempted. Satan is like having a heyday on my life right now. What you're really saying is, man, my heart is really wicked right now. I'm having all these temptations. I'm having all these desires. My heart is sick right now. If it were not for the condition of your heart, Satan would have no way to tempt you. And we know this is true because Satan had to attack Jesus from the outside. He had to use Judas because he was human. He had to use the, the religious leaders of that day. Because Satan could not get a hold on Jesus' heart because Jesus is completely pure. He cannot get in Jesus' heart. He had to go from the outside. So we give Satan a really big target. And that's how the enemy is able to tempt us. He explains in verse 14, he says, But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed. Each person is tempted when they are lured and enticed by their own passions, by their own longings of the flesh. You ever notice how everybody's temptations are not the same thing? Some people could really struggle with this one thing and totally have no problem with this, while you may have a humongous problem with this, with no problem with this sin over here. And that's where it comes from. And God is making it very clear to you and I that the reason has the ability to tempt us is because it is already in our hearts. James, in this passage, he speaks on that desire and how that desire When you give in to that temptation, it turns into sin. And I want you to notice how he describes this. Because it's like conception and giving birth. Which is kind of a sick way (laughs) of describing it. But it's, it's really true and it really helps us understand how sin actually works in our lives. Verse 15 says, Then after desire, there's that desire that we have, has conceived, which is you giving in to that temptation, It gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. So it begins with the desires in our own hearts, and we are tempted. And when we give in to that temptation, that's when sin happens. And that's when sin, if you keep nurturing it and keep, you don't repent. Like, here's what we should do. When we sin, we should stop right there. And be like, I need to immediately go to God. And not being like, I'll do it tomorrow. Or I'll do it on Sunday when I go to church. I'll do it at youth group. I'll do it when we have our Bible study. Right then and there, as soon as it happens, you need to go take it to the cross and kill it on the cross. Let Jesus take care of it. Because if you don't, it gets nurtured. And it grows. And it says, when it is fully grown, it leads to death. Now, a few things I want to make sure that we're very clear on today is this. Temptation is not sin. Sin is sin. Temptation is not sin. Jesus was tempted in every single way that you and I are, and yet he resisted sin. He never sinned. And so for us, through the power of the Holy Spirit, like temptation can seem so strong to us, but God is so much stronger And when you follow Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit. And when you're in that moment of temptation, you should pause and you should ask God. We're coming all the way back again to the beginning of the chapter. And say, I need help. I need your Holy Spirit. I need your power to be able to resist this sin. Because on our own, we are weak. 
Without God, we cannot resist it. And yes, temptation, it feels terrible. Temptation, it it can be exhausting. It can feel like you're never catching a break. You might even end up asking yourself, what is going on? Why am I just constantly feel like I'm just, like the the trap is always being set for me. And I, I get so close to giving in, but I don't. But then day after day after day, you can get tired. And you're like, what in the world? Why is this happening so much? Let me tell you why. It's because you are alive. That's why. It's because you're human. It's going to happen. You are going to be tempted. But we have the trust in the Holy Spirit to rely on His power to resist that temptation. Here's the last thing I want to talk about today. It says you give in to that temptation. Sin is born. Sin happens. And when that sin is full grown, it leads to death. Eternal death. Sin in your life leads to eternal death. But Jesus bore that death on the cross for you. That's why you put your faith in Jesus. For what he did for you. He already took that for you. Jesus already experienced separation from the Father. That's what sin does to us. It separates us. And when, when it's not dealt with and we lose our life here on earth without Jesus, you are separated forever. So Jesus experienced that for us, and it is done. It is finished. When you put your life with Jesus, you like, the way I describe it is like, you fuse your life together through the Holy Spirit with Jesus's. And because he was on the cross, and if your life is with Jesus, your sin is up there on the cross with him also. It has been justified through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ for us. And so that issue has already been taken care of for you. If you have that life-changing belief in Jesus Christ, you have that hope and that confidence and assurance that that eternal death, that separation has been taken care of for you. But there are ways where death can get its rotten hands inside of your life without eternal death being there. There are times when God will allow the consequences of sin to enter into a believer's lives just so you can understand how bad sin actually is. It may not be eternal death, but it will be death of marriages. Marriages that never get brought back together again. The death between relationships of parents and their children forever destroyed because of sin. Death of opportunities of life. Opportunities that you would have had in your life, but because of sin, it has destroyed those opportunities. And the death of peace and joy in your life. Those things can still happen to you and I. Those things can still happen to believers. And God will allow those things into our lives to remind you that sin is disgusting. That is the process of sin, and when it plays out in our lives without repentance, it can be very, very, very serious. So there are really good reasons to avoid sin, even though as a believer, sin, Satan cannot snatch you out of God's hand. So before sin is fully grown, my advice for all of us is to take it to the cross. And so James this morning teaches us, we need to go to God, always. Slow down in your life. I believe that's what a lot of us need to do. We need to slow down. 
Trust God. Love each other. Love our neighbors. Love other Christians. Slow down. Ask Him for help. Ask Him for wisdom. Trust Him, trust in Him always. And right here, the very end, I think it's such a good reminder for us that Jesus, that sin, that stuff that we do in our life, that thing that we struggle with, that thing that we try to hide away and pretend that nobody sees, God sees it. God knows it's there. And undealt with, it will kill you. It will destroy your life, and it has the potential to ruin your eternity. And God knew that, and so he sends his son Jesus, God in the flesh, to be divine, human and God, to be put on a cross for us, so that when we take our life and trust in Jesus, all of that sin gets left up there and put in the grave also. And when we get baptized, it's a beautiful illustration of getting put in the grave and brought up and you raised in a new life with Jesus. So whether you're a believer or not, if you're not, you need to be. <laughs> you need to be taking your sin, your life to Jesus so He can put it on the cross that, so that we can have the confidence and assurance of Jesus that we are good. And trust Him always. When you're struggling with temptation, when you're struggling with sin, remember, you can't do it on your own. That's why you've got to have the Holy Spirit. Pause, be humble, and ask for help. And thank God that He's a good Father and He helps us. Let's pray.